Welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets You got any idea how much blood jets out of a guy's neck? You've come back to us, Michael. Stop the rage. Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to a new year of the Retro Blood. And we are starting out this year hot with some New Year's Evil. Did I say it? Did I say it right? You said exactly right. Did I say it like our boy? Did I say it like our boy Richard Evil? Yeah. Now this is Evil. This is not Evil from New Japan. No, this is Evil on the Retro Blood, brother. We are hitting up this new year. Like I said, we are starting it off with New Year's Evil. Uh, definitely a, a very interesting movie um, for its particular time period. So we have a lot to talk about in this episode. This one's going to be a pretty jam-packed episode here on the Retro Blood. And like I said, it's a new year for everybody. And we're starting off this New Year's hot with the Retro Blood. Um, and then before we get into this, of course, everybody... Join our Facebook group page, The Retro Blood. We have all type of extras on the Facebook page. We'll be talking all about this episode, New Year's Evil. And I have a couple extras from the show as well, too. So everybody join. It's free to join. Let us know how you like the show. This is kind of how we get a grasp of who's listening to the show and not. But shout us out and let us know because we want to do. We want to have a really good year for The Retro Blood. We want to make sure we are we are satisfying the audience and... Um, we want to be like our girl Blaze. We want to satisfy the audience, even if there's a creepy person calling to kill uh, some of our, our close relatives. So we want to make sure it's a very good party for everybody out there this year at the Retro Blood. So, yep, join the Facebook group. Join it, brother. So let's talk a little about the release date of New Year's Evil. It actually came out December 19th, 1980. So this is actually just like one month Late, uh, later than the last episode we had last year when we did Christmas Evil. This actually came out a month right after that. So we're still we're still in the 1980s era. Were you gonna yeah, say something? We're still in 1980, yeah. Yes, we're still in the 1980, brother. So let's get into... I want to do a little bit of the wrestling first because I have a crazy story that happened in music during this time. Okay. So some of the wrestling... the. Um, did you did you say you found like a wrestling event during this time? Oh, did I? Yeah. Okay. Cool. So we're gonna go on you because I didn't really find too much, but I did find out one thing that's kind of interesting. The wrestler known as Delirious was born on this date, December nineteenth, nineteen eighty, and he's actually the commentary for AEW now. But he's actually a, a former professional wrestler who wrestled a lot for Ring of Honor. So I thought that was pretty interesting. He was born on this date of this movie. Uh, so. Wait. D- delirious or Excalibur? Oh my bad, Delirious. Yeah, he's different. Well, <laughs> they always like seem like the same to me. 
Like they both like the mask gimmick, right? They both have wear the mask. It's, it's a different mask. Delirious yeah. was the booker for Ring of Honor. My bad. Yeah, he was. He's the booker for Ring of Honor. I was well, those. I guess he was until this week. Yeah, I always get those two confused because they had the same. <laughs> they looked at like the same fucking dude. Okay, don't lie to me that they're not the same person. They, they do look no. They do look similar. They do look similar. But I was like delirious on commentary. I've never even heard that guy speak. Yeah, he his character is weird too. He just came out there and freaked out and left. It was like yeah, kind of a weird yeah. gimmick. Yeah. So, um, but I'm anyway, a, so Excalibur sorry. was born on this day. No, no, Delirious, Delirious was. Delirious was. Okay. Yeah, I just got the two confused because they <laughs> remind me of the same person. <laughs> All right, excellent. Um, so, so we're we're doing my my wrestling thing now. Yes. Okay. So, um, December nineteenth, I didn't find anything to happen on that day, but on but the Christmas card for that day. Um, which, you know, like we talked about earlier, was like uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas were both big wrestling days. Mm -hmm. After you got done eating with your family, you go out to the local wrestling show. Um, So at the Omni in Atlanta, so this would have been like, I guess like Crockett or like pre-Crockett, there was a pretty big card. Uh, Again, I won't go over the whole card, but some of the matches were uh, Tony Atlas beat Kevin Sullivan. Oh, okay. Nice. Um, yeah, and I don't really have, as with most of these cards, I don't have how they won. Yeah. Um, but I guess we're even lucky to have these cards written down, honestly. Do you think, uh, the this, Mongolian... is the... oh, do you think this is the era of Kevin Sullivan has his, like, demon Satanist character? This is exactly that period. You know where so, he had the little um, X on his uh, forehead like Charles Manson? Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is exactly the same period where he was like the the Kevin the Satanist Kevin Sullivan. Did he do the? Uh, did he have the he, famous water where the people were coming out of the water? You remember mm, that? Yeah, I remember that. He may not have been doing that at this point. I think he was still just like coming out by himself. I don't think he. I don't know if he even had woman at this point. Okay, I'm yep. pretty sure that happened a little bit later than this because woman comes out and she joined the Satan gimmick for a little bit. I think. Yeah, just a, a um, little backstory on Kevin Sullivan. Um, for all of our non-wrestling fans out there, he was kind of like one of the first uh, wrestlers to kind of bring like more of a darker side to wrestling. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how we, we see like Undertaker now or like Mankind or, you know, the Fiend Bray Wyatt. He was kind of like the original guy who brought that kind of like dark side to wrestling. And um, there was like the scene he did. I can't remember what promotion he was in, but he would like, he would like baptize people in the water to come out to be like his like, followers like it's like demon followers and that's what i was bringing up the whole um the beach scene and he's actually one of the guy who turned uh luna vashon into how we see luna vashon you know today has like the crazy maniac oh, yeah. girl he was like the guy who actually turned her from a normal reporter girl into like this like crazy like shaved head punk rock girl so so right. i so you know you know right. kevin sullivan would actually like fit into new year's evil very well you know, he would be like our, he'd be like one of the people in the crowd doing that very light moshing. Very true. Very true. Very true. So, um, so an uh, other place on this card was the Mongolian stomper who was from the Orient and obviously evil defeated Jack Briscoe, who some people might know from, I guess, nineties wrestling as Jack and Jerry Briscoe were like the stooges for Vince McMahon. But at one time they were both really, really big, popular, incredibly talented tag team wrestlers so that was kind of a big deal of course this you know i'm sure he got the uh the win later on um yeah wasn't um big wasn't like jack briscoe also like a world yeah. champion too yes jack briscoe was a world champion for sure yeah very very 
Very, very math-based wrestler, kind of like our boy Bob Black and Elizabeth was. Yep, yep. Almost exactly like that, exactly. But the big match, um, well, <laughs> for me, not for not for people attending probably, but <laughs> the big match for this <laughs> would be um, a uh, gimmick match. So can you tell the people what a gimmick match is, James? Yeah, so a gimmick match would be that it's not going to be a normal one-on-one contest. They're going to have some sort of like either stipulation or have some sort of like object in the match. Like a, a steel cage match would be a gimmick match. A weapons match would be a gimmick match. A, a Judy Bagwell on a pole would be a, oh, sorry. I mean, a, a pole would be a gimmick match over there. Okay. A, um, I'm glad you brought that up. A Keno from Hell uh, sale match that you attended would be a gimmick match upon yes. gimmick match. It'd be a double gimmick, brother. It'd be a gimmick That's upon a, a gimmick. gimmick. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there was a gimmick match yeah. in this show, and nice. um, I have never heard of this. I had to look it up, and I actually found highlights of this match on YouTube, which I'm sure we can post on the Facebook page. Yeah. But it was Mr. Wrestling 2, who was Johnny Walker under a mask, defeated Mr. Saito in a judo jacket match. So have you ever seen a judo jacket match before? No, but it sounds fantastic. <laughs> I didn't even know what a judo jacket was. Um, I had to look this up, but apparently it's just like a, uh, you know, like a karate outfit, which I guess you would wear when you're doing judo. It was like, you know, the, like the karate kid wore, like it was like a jacket that that you tie with a belt. So how do you win it? Do you put the jacket on the guy? (laughs) No. So apparently um, in this highlight of this, this, there's a five minute clip of this match with Mr. Wrestling 2 doing commentary on it. Um, apparently you just fight in the judo jacket and it was supposed to be, uh, a, it was supposed to give the advantage to Mr. Saito, who was a judo expert, because you can do only do judo if you're wearing the judo jacket. Oh, okay. Yes. Kind of like, kind of like, um, kind of like when Rowdy Piper fought Mr. T in a boxing match, even though he did a, a a side slam or did like a a suplex, uh, did a body slam. (laughs) Exactly. It's exactly like that. Yeah. And this uh, this match ends. <laughs> so in this commentary, Mr. Wrestling is talking about how so they're fighting and obviously this um, they're doing, you know, regular wrestling moves. And obviously these uh, judo jackets fall off. So the mat, the uh, jacket comes off of Mr. Wrestling. And then he says, and this is where I really came alive. Once I had to, had that jacket off, I felt myself again. And then I was able to come back and secure the win. And um, then he starts, you know, he gets up and then he's like, you know, beating the shit out of Mr. Saito with his normal wrestling moves. And then he, uh, you know, he does his little knee lift thing and he wins. Um, but yeah, this was uh, pretty amazing. This judo jacket match, you could tell like they were trying to come up with gimmicks that they hadn't done before. Yeah. And uh, this was something that they had done before <laughs> um, in the Omni in Atlanta. This was uh, not quite the main event, but it was next to the main event. Ooh, what a what a what a what a uh, a buffer match to lead to the main event, a judo yes. jacket match, brother. Let's get those yeah, shoots. Of- let's get those shoots in, brother. Let's get that shoot <laughs> exactly. in. Exactly, exactly. And the main event was Ted Ted DiBiase won a two ring battle royal. A two ring battle royal. Like, yeah, two like, ring. Is that like the is that like World War three or something that fucking WCW used to do? Remember that they had like two rings. Yeah, I think, that- I think it's like that. Yeah, so it's like. It's like there's two rings, and I guess you have to be thrown out of both rings. Um, my guess is there's a lot of people in it, and they were trying to not fill up one ring with too many people. 
um but yeah dibiase won that so yeah so maybe we can uh we can post part of the that little clip of the uh, judo jacket match so everybody will be amazed at the uh quality of this nice yeah we'll post that on the facebook everybody check that shit out that seems like pretty fantastic um Definitely something to, I mean, imagine if you had a bad Christmas, man, you know, you got it all saved from uh, Mr. Saito uh, getting the, the yeah, judo, exactly. the judo uh, match. Judo jacket match. Judo yes. jacket match, brother. Exactly. And you can see like a freaking 60,000 man battle royal. Uh, mm-hmm. And two rings. And two rings. So that's a, that's a pretty fun wrestling card. I would say so myself. Um, now we're going to get into a little bit more of a darker subject because what I found that happened in the music during this time. So, you know, most of the time in the retro blood, we want to talk about thrash metal. We want to talk about rock and roll metal. Um, but, you know, sometimes, you know, it's kind of hard to find some of that. But, you know, me and Allison are both big music fans. Um, Allison, you're probably a little bit more of a... For sure. You're probably more of a wider... Uh, frame music fan than I am, you know, because, um, you know, when we talk back and forth for different musicians and different groups and different artists that we like, uh, I think you have a little bit more of like a open mind more to to more artists yeah, than yeah, I do. I like, that may be true. I mean, I like mm. all kinds of music. I mean, like from jazz to hip hop to metal, I like all kinds of music. Yes. Even black metal too. There you go. Um, but... This this would be if we were like going strong during this time. This would definitely be something that would be a shock uh, to us as well. Even though we are big metal fans, um, this would be a big shock, and we definitely would be playing a lot of tracks from this particular artist during this time um, because it's such a big artist. Like it's like probably one of the most craziest stories. And the story I'm getting to is about almost about eleven days. Uh, before New Year's Eve Evil dropped was the death of one of the most famous singers of all time, John Lennon. Because he died on December wow, 8th, yeah. 1980. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even pick up on that until you just mentioned it. But yeah, that's... Yeah. John Lennon's... The day John Lennon died is almost like a holiday for me. Like, I don't talk about it a lot, but it, it's definitely something I commemorate. Um, yeah, I mean... Anybody who knows me knows how much I love the Beatles and oh, yeah. how much the the Beatles contributed to music as we know it. I mean, they created music as we know it today, for sure. Yeah, I mean, like um, I was saying, just because we're like, you know, big metal fans, you know, Beatles is not like super hardcore metal, nothing thrash, but they did influence. No. I mean, they definitely had that like rock and roll spirit to them. I mean, yeah. they, they captured a nation. I mean, there's so much stuff that people talk about with the Beatles. I mean, they were even oh, like a little controversial for their time as well. You know, of some yeah. of the songs and some of the stuff they came out with. So mm-hmm. definitely pretty We could do a whole crazy. podcast on the Beatles for sure. I mean, we could do a whole different series on the Beatles. Yeah. And never run out of stuff to talk about. But yeah, that was, um, yeah, I mean, that was a tragic day. I mean, you know, like that, that, that meant a lot to people. They, um, they announced it during Monday Night Football even. Yeah. Like it just brought down the commentary team on Monday night football. They were just like, you know, uh, it's, it's, if you listen back to that announcement where they're like, Oh, it's like, um, you know, uh, we just found out that John Lennon died, um, in the middle of this game. And it like, you can just tell it just brings them down and that, you know, this is, these are not music commentary guys. It's just, uh, 
you know, Howard Cosell and whoever else was doing money, not football at the time. But yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that did bring me down a little bit. Um, uh, you know, but, uh, yeah, John yeah. Lennon was a, was a brilliant man. It was a genius and it's sad. It was sad that he died so young, 40 years old. Yep. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Now, do you want to talk about the, the story of the, uh, the murder or what do you think? Yeah. I mean, sure. I mean, um, I mean, yeah. You want me to tell the story? Yeah. I mean, if you know, I got it yeah. up here, but if you know it, you can tell it. Cause I know you're a little more yeah. of a Beatle insider than I do. Yeah, I mean, I know quite a bit about it, but if I say anything that's wrong, just, you know, you can correct me. But basically, he was, he had moved to New York City in 1972 or three, and him and he and Yoko Ono had had Sean, their son, and he had basically retired from music a few years before that, maybe five or six years before that, to raise his son. And they were living in the Dakota building in New York City. And John was really, from everything that I can tell, was really open with fans. Like he was very, um, um, uh, very open with people. He would always um, talk to fans if he could. Um, and people would go, and, you know, people publicly knew that he lived at the Dakota building and they would just stand outside waiting on him to come out. And he would always take pictures and sign autographs, especially if people had been waiting a long time. And um, Yoko had mentioned not long before this, that maybe they should get a bodyguard. And he's like, well, He's like, if they're going to get you, they're going to get you. And all that'll do is cause a bodyguard to get killed too. So on this day, on December the 8th, they had gotten up and gone to, to do a photo shoot. I actually, I think the photo shoot was in their apartment and, um, they, um, uh, had left the apartment to get some lunch or something, breakfast or lunch. I can't remember which, and they left and they ran into, um, to uh oh his name escapes me oh it was uh mark 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 david mark david chapman yeah Yeah. so he ran so mark david chapman was from texas and he had been living in hawaii for a while i believe and he was a huge beatles fan but he had decided that john lennon had sold out and um, was phony and he he had been reading um catcher in the rye which is all about phony people Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of, it's a, something that you read when you're a teenager and, you know, you, you're full of teenage angst and that kind of thing. Um, but he, uh, he, he'd realized he thought that John Lennon was phony and that he, he wanted to kill John Lennon, but he flew to New York and he'd been there for several days and he met John Lennon earlier in that day in that evening, I believe it was. Um, and he ran into John and he asked John to sign his, uh, his album, his double fantasy album. Cause he had just put out this brand new album after being gone for like five years. And it was like their, their, you know, his, his re-entry into music, I guess. Um, and he met Mark David Chapman outside. Chapman had him sign the the album. And there's a famous picture that somebody else took of Lennon signing Mark David Chapman's album. And then they leave and they go to the recording studio. They record for, for a few hours and then they come back about 10 30 at night and Chapman's outside still. And then he runs up and shoots John Lennon in the back. Um, and then he was taken to the hospital and he died like an hour later, I believe. Yes. Yeah, definitely pretty crazy story. I mean, like, I mean, definitely, you know, during this month, I mean, everybody was already been, you know, still shooken up. Um, and there's like, apparently like even outside of the hospital, where uh, John Lennon was at, um, apparently it was reported that even like some Beatles fans committed suicide. 
from that hospital as well, well too. So wow. yeah, so definitely a a pretty crazy story, and definitely one of the most craziest story in almost the, pretty much the history of the world. I would say would be like John Lennon dying because you know just the the reach to even this day that the uh, the Beatles have and John Lennon himself is it's still going on. Like it's not going to end. It's just going to be you know. I, I I listened to the Beatles when my brother um I had to be like in high school and I was going through like a very like nine inch nail Marilyn Manson phase you know what I mean like during like, yeah. like kind of like that like later nineties phase and everything and yeah. I remember my brother is the one that got me into those bands like you know Fear Factory all those type of bands and then next thing I know like the next year or something my brother just totally switched. He went from listening to all this Nine Inch Nails, Marilyn Manson, to Beatles, like only Beatles, all the time. And I was like, "What the hell's going on, man? You listen to all these Beatles and stuff." Because I wasn't like super familiar with the Beatles and stuff. I knew I knew of them and stuff. And he's like, "Hey, just check this out." And I started listening to him. I was like, "This is just like it's just different." You know what I mean? It's like very different type of tone. It's it's very catchy. So I could see even you know after the Beatles have gone away, still people will be fans of them just because of the level of quality music that they put out. Oh, yeah. I definitely have a similar story of, you know, I didn't grow up as a Beatles fan. I really didn't discover the Beatles until probably in high school. Um, I had a really close friend of mine whose dad was really into the Beatles and he was into the Beatles. And I would go start going over to his house and hanging out and he would just play me these Beatles albums. And and I was mind blown as to how innovative they were and how even ahead of their time, how ahead of their time, but how ahead of like even music was at that time. Um, the things they were doing, it was just, I mean, it's, it's perfect. I mean, if, if I had to only choose one recording artist to listen to for the rest of my life, it would certainly be the Beatles catalog. Yeah, they definitely have a lot of, there's so much iconic tracks, iconic yeah. albums. So definitely something. And we'll probably be playing a Beatles song at the end of this podcast too, as well. Uh, do you have a, a favorite Beatles song, uh, Allison? Um, I, think I love Strawberry Strawberry Fields Forever. I love that. Ooh. It's a really good John Lennon track. That's the one we'll be doing. Strawberry yeah, Fields Forever, one. brother. But let's uh, let's move on from a a very newsworthy <laughs> little dime of it up until well, let's just get. I do have something to say about those bands a little bit that that are unrelated to this movie in a way, but I'll, I'll probably just say that when we do the show. Oh, okay, you knew where they were. Well, yeah. So, uh, Made in Japan is a. They, those are both real bands. Okay. Um, from the time period, Made in Japan is like a almost like a kind of a new wave type band that I I wasn't really into either one of these bands. But the interesting thing, I mean, should I tell you the interesting thing about Shadow now, or should it, you just wait on the show? It's up to you, man. I got it recorded. Okay. Well, <laughs> um. So okay. So this is a weird thing. So um. Uh, Mike McCready that was in Pearl, the guy that's in Pearl Jam. Mm -hmm. So this is interesting. So, and and it turns out, I don't, it's not the same group, but um, he, so when he, he was started, his first band was this band called Shadow from Seattle. And he started that band when he was in eighth grade. Okay. So this is 1980, right? When this movie was made. And then he's like, and then in the movie, they say, um, you know, from Seattle, Shadow. And I'm like, could this possibly be Mike McCready's band? 
Like, could it possibly be the same band? Yeah, that'd be wild. And then I looked, and Mike McCready was 14 in 1980. And I'm like, I can't remember. Maybe he could be in eighth grade at 14. I mean, that sounds about right, right? Yeah. And I'm like, but surely this is not the same band. But he's not listed in the credits when the band, when the when the thing, when the credits roll. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I just think it's weird that he's also in this band called Shadow from Seattle at the same time, nearly as this band is playing in this movie. Yeah, that is pretty weird. Yeah. Um, but anyway, but yeah, I don't, I'm pretty sure it's not the same band. Um, because I think he started that band and didn't join it later. So, um, that but I don't know. I don't know. You know, it could be a band that he joined later. Yeah. But my understanding is he started Shadow in 1980 and they were almost exactly the same kind of band as this. They were like a 1970s influenced rock band. Like they were, they weren't really a hair metal band. They were like influenced by like Kiss and and bands like that. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a very interesting story. Maybe we can uh, ask him one day. Maybe. <clears throat> uh, maybe hey, if we, I ever meet him again, I can ask him. Hey, you, were you in you that New Year's you? Evil movie? Just let me know, man. He'll be like, he'll be like, what the fuck are you talking? About? <laughs> Let's just get up into the New Year's Evil, or mm. as our boy Richard says, Evil. Evil. The evil brother. On the one night they were celebrating New Year's Eve, he was out ending their life. I'm going to commit murder at midnight. <laughs> Every New Year's Eve, the caller came out. So let's get into I'm never going to be able to say that word in any other way now. It's it's evil. Like I'm still like kind of confused why he was doing that. Like I guess to hide his voice, but like <laughs> right. what the fuck did you have to hide it by saying evil like that? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I mean like, you know, he's definitely hiding his voice with that little weird contraption that he has. Yeah. But um I, I thought this movie was really strange in the way that it was structured. I mean, uh, I mean, other than the obvious strange shit about it, but it's strange in the way that it's the way that the whole thing is structured. Like the twist is not what you think it's going to be. Yeah. In fact, you know, cause um, I mean, you know, like they, they give away even the killer's faces on the poster on the movie poster. Yeah. Oh you yeah. Know, it's, it's on the, it's on the movie poster. So they're like, 
they're not hiding who the killer is, but the identity of the killer is kind of a twist. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a twist with the identity. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was just kind of weird. Like that whole thing was kind of weird, but, but yeah. Um, so well, where are we? It's New Year's Eve, 1980, right? Yes. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. So we're at a, we're at a city and we're in the city. Pretty sure this in is Los like Angeles. Los Angeles. Yes. We're in Los yeah. Angeles. We see a big holiday inn. Uh, and then we see our main character of the story. Her name is going to be Diana Sullivan. And mm-hmm. she goes by Blaze. Blaze. And, and she also goes by D as well. So if you hear D, Diana, Blaze, or Sullivan, that's our main girl. And she is, she is like a punk, kind of an 80s punk host. Like a kind of like yeah. a that kind of style, like a little bit more of like a glamorous punk um, kind host. Of, yeah. I'm not really sure what I, I I know. So she's she's hosting a New Year's um, bash of showing yeah. like different ball dropping, but I'm not really sure what she does. Like, when it's not New Year's, I guess she's just like a host for a famous MTV show or something. Even though, well, this is pre MTV, but like yeah. my so she talks about being on K Rock, which is a really famous. LA radio station. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm guessing that she is a DJ on K rock. Gotcha. Um, but the way this strikes me, so 1980 is, is interesting in that it's kind of the year punk broke. So like there was punk in LA hardcore in LA before this, but it was really underground and people in like around 1980 or 81 started, uh, people in the mainstream started to understand what punk rock was and um or la punk what was so i my my what i took out of this was like this is like a corporate hollywood version of what they think punk rock is yeah i can see that um so that's what i'm thinking that that is that that is is what this is supposed to be so that's why she's like this glamorous punk because i get or punk rocker i guess because you could you could think that, okay, well, you know, she was just, she's definitely older, you know? I mean, she's not 20 years old or 15 years old like most punk rockers were. I mean, she's definitely, I mean, she's got to be in her 30s or her 40s at this point in this movie. So she's like, you know, I could see her like taking this identity of like new wave and punk rock because she thinks that's what's cool right now. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? And I think that a lot of musical, this is kind of a tangent too, but I think a lot of musical artists did this at the time because the movement from the seventies to the eighties seemed to be so drastic. Like it was just like a completely different world overnight almost. And, you know, like a lot of artists who had, you know, the seventies style bands, like bands like Led Zeppelin and all those boogie bands, you know, that from the seventies that, um, you know, that, that stuff kind of became uncool in the eighties, you know, where synth music and drum machines and shit like that started like becoming more popular like a lot of artists would try and shift their look to this new look. Um, you know, so they, you know, they would try to shift their, 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 their feeling and the feeling in their music and their look to this new popular look so they can still stay in, um, stay in popularity. So I think that what I, that's what I took out of what she was doing was like, she was like in her forties because her, she, because her son is in this and her son is like older so yeah. she's like, say, 40 years old or late 30s or something. And 
And she's like, oh, I'm trying to stay relevant. And, you know, I'm trying not to get K-Rock to replace me with some new punk rock DJ or whatever. Yeah. So, um, you know, so see how hip I am. I'm going to wear this uh, bracelet and have spiked up hair. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a punk rocker now. That's kind of what I took out of that. Yeah. And did we also meet her her agent, Ernie. Ernie. And, and yeah, and he's, Ernie's trying to get her to hurry up because she has to get on set pretty soon. And this is when we, we, we hear... Um, Diana talking like, "Hey, I need uh, I need this girl named Yvonne. I guess Yvonne's kind of like her partner." And they're talking about, you know, where's the husband at? He's supposed to be with me over here. The husband's name is Richard. They're all talking about how Richard is just off in like Palm Springs, like he's just in Palm doing... Springs. He's in Palm Springs. Yeah. Yes. So we we're we're, we're saying that the husband's not going to be here. He's in Palm Springs, like doing his thing. And um, Ernie is, I mean, uh, Diana is just telling Ernie, like, hey, I need you to get in contact with Yvonne so I can tell her, like, you know, we got to get everything prepared for the big New Year's ball tonight. So she calls Yvonne and stuff, and then that's when they're kind of talking a little bit about, you know, Richard not being there. And then she's like, don't worry about the show. It's going to be okay. And so we see Yvonne. She's getting ready. And eventually the door opens. Even had a do not disturb sign on it. Yvonne's quick to notice it, though. And then she goes outside. She sees uh, somebody walking down the, um, the the hall the hallway. It looks like a like a um, what do you call it a maid. And then she goes yeah. back, gets ready in the shower. And this is when we see our first kill scene with the switchblade. There's a lot of switchblade in this movie. Yeah, uh, there is. Switchblades are cool. Yeah, so we got the switchblade with the killer uses, and eventually kills Yvonne in the shower. All right. Yep. All right, and then let's see. And this is when we get the credits. So we get some credits, and then now we are we are starting the movie off. We're starting the movie off with this, like this gang of kids that are in a, like a car, and they're just like flipping off and like being rebellious to everybody they're driving around. Like what a bunch of yep. fucking dicks! Like just like <laughs> yep. they flick somebody off in the other place. They're like they're just showing how like okay, we're showing that these punk rock guys they don't care about rules they just want to piss off everybody and they just want to have a good time rocking and rolling exactly it's a car of quote-unquote punk rockers yes and we see a couple of them like a couple of the dudes have like some makeup on their face one of them tries to look like a guy from the misfits um you know just hairs up everywhere makeup going on some of them look pretty cool you know i was like okay i could see i could dig i think i kind of like dig this trend a little bit during 1980 You know, I'd probably be a little yeah, bit more like it's being actual punk rockers, but yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so they all event eventually wind up to the hotel because they have been, I guess they got tickets or they got invited to Blaze's New Year's Eve bash. All right. And the, the fucking cops, the, the freaking cop they meet at first is like, tickets, tickets. You got your tickets? Tickets. <laughs> it's like scared of these fucking kids. And then this kid, like, like it looks like he has a sw- we have another switchblade. You're gonna hear a lot of switchblade in this review because yeah. this guy has a switchblade, but it's a comb. It's not a real switchblade. Yes, yeah, he's edgy. Yeah, he's an edgy switchblade man. Switchblade comb. He has a switchblade comb. Yeah. So and then um, we're we're hearing uh the song. You hear the song a lot. So they did like a song, a specific for this movie called New Year's Evil. So you keep hearing that mm-hmm. song as well too. Um. So this is when we get, we're back in the hotel. We have Ernie and we have, I'm just going to call her Blaze during the whole thing. I just know. We yeah, have just, Blaze. Just call, her, just call her Blaze. 
So they are in there, and then they're they're trying to get ready. They're trying to figure out where Yvonne is. And this is when Derek shows up. So Derek, he walks in here. Like, this guy looked like he was straight off American Horror Story. Like, he looked like he was like a Ryan Murphy special. Like, this guy was like a like a fucking uh, nice hair, model-looking face. Like, just like dressed to the nines. I was like, what, am I watching American Horror Story here? What's going on over here? So he is I didn't brought, think about that, but you're right. Yes. Well, I watch a lot of that American Horror Story. So when I see somebody that Ryan Murphy would like, I know. And this guy looked right up right up his alley. Um, so, like, he walks in. He has some flowers for his mom. And the mom's kind of, like, brushing him off a little bit because she wants to hurry up to get her show. And then eventually, like, Derek says, like, hey, mom, I got, like, a part in a, in a TV show. Um, it's called, uh, let's see. He's on, it's called, it's called Spaceship America. Sorry. Yes. He's <laughs> on a show called Spaceship America. Yeah. And he's like, and he's like, mom, I swear it's a really good part. And the mom just does not care at all. Uh, she's like, all right, don't worry about uh, Derek. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it next week and stuff. And then, and then, um, so it's like, where's my, you know, where's Dada? He's not a, he's, in, where's Dada? He's like, well, he, you know who Dad is. He's, he's like, he's like Palm Springs again, the club, probably like doing some cocaine and shit. You know what I mean? And then she goes on, and then Derek looks a little sad. And then mom goes, oh, are you not feeling well? He's like, no, it's okay. And he's like, are you sure you're not feeling well and stuff? We, and we could talk about it later. And then he's like, no, it's okay. I'm feeling fine. So we're showing there's like a little tension between the mom like the mom's so wrapped up with her career that she's not really paying a lot of attention to our boy Derek and his new acting gig have you ever seen uh, Spaceship America uh, is that a popular show that was released in 1980 I'm pretty sure that's not a real show yeah <laughs> <laughs> but no I have not seen Spaceship America I wonder what Spaceship America was about was it like a spaceship called America or was it maybe it was the American space maybe it was a spinoff of Star Trek maybe so we yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe it was so we have arrived at Hollywood Hotline the TV show this is the show that Blaze is introducing a special New Year's uh, day or New Year's uh, episode of this Hollywood Hotline and she introduces herself as Blaze we get a bunch of kids in the audience um, we have some like high energy. We have some new, uh, new, you know, the song's going on. And then she goes like, oh, are you ready? New York, Chicago, Colorado. And we get a bunch of like simulcast from all these different right. cities and stuff. Because, you know, on New Year's, um, a lot of times the ball drops at different time zones. So we're kind of like yeah. linking, we're linking all the time zones over here in this movie. Right. So it's, it's, you know, it's like, um, I don't know if they do it anymore because I don't, I don't watch this stuff on New Year's, but, you know, they have like the Dick Clark or whatever they do now, Ryan Seacrest, maybe. So they do the ball drop in New York, but they, they show the times changing in all the other time zones. So that's kind of what we're seeing now is, you know, it's, it's going to, we're going to have the New Year's in New York, Chicago, Aspen, Colorado, and Los Angeles. Yep, and now um, Blaze, she is taking calls from the audience. So her first call is from this girl named Claire. And what does Claire ask for? She asks for the song, We Don't Need No Education. 
Right, which made me cringe when I heard that. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm assuming she's talking about another brick in the wall, part two from Pink Floyd. Yes. Yeah, maybe they just couldn't get the rights to say the name, so they just called, uh, they called it We Don't Need No Education. Yeah, because on her show, people call up and they request to hear like songs and stuff. Even though like the only two bands, we only heard songs from two bands. I guess there's the only two live bands that they got. So the next guy calls up and he has like this like fucking voice. <laughs> so um, so at first he calls up, he's like, hey, Blaze, I want to wish you a happy New Year's. Year's. And then yeah. she's like, you sound like- It sounds literally like this. Like this like, is not like an exaggeration. Yeah, we're not exa- yeah, it sounds exactly like this. And then and then he goes on. She goes on like, "Oh, you kind of sound like the Phantom." It's like, "Don't call me." All right, let me do it. Don't call me the Phantom. Call me Evil. <laughs> just she's like, "What the hell?" Just like just Evil. And she's like, "Well, do you have like any like song that you want to put out? What was your favorite song of the year?" He's like, "No, I'm going to no. commit murder, murder. <laughs> at midnight." <laughs> He's like, I'm going to kill somebody you know and close to you. And then she's like, okay, whatever, you crazy weirdo. And then they just hang up. Man, that voice is kind of hard to do a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> right now you sound like um, Dale from, um, uh, oh, fuck, what is that show? Which one is the it? Mike Judge, the Mike Judge show, the one that takes place in, in Dallas. Um king of the hill oh yeah king dale the, yeah. remember when dale yeah, yeah when dale always calls somebody to threaten them and he's supposed to be hiding his voice <laughs> yeah, I, that's exactly what this sounds like what you sound yeah. like when you're doing it oh yeah all right it's time now for you about for the top new wave hit of here give us a call and i must have you already know our number from our regular saturday show now don't you the ladies here happy new year this is clara my vote for the best song is We Don't Need No Education. Oh, just some hot tips, huh? Well, thank you, Clara. Ballet's here. A crazy new year to you. Happy new year to you, Blaze. Ooh. Some kind of voice you got there. Sound like the Phantom. You could call me that. So you got a name, Phantom? Call me Evil. Evil? You bad, honey? No. Just Evil. Well, listen, Mr. Evil, uh, do you have a vote for the top song of the year? No. Just a New Year's resolution. I'm going to commit murder at midnight. I'm going to kill someone you know. Someone close to you. Well, we're really off to an interesting start, aren't we? Crazy trips must be a full moon. Uh, so this is when we get our first... Um we get our first concert is when we get shadow and they're freaking rocking it out to new year's evil song. They're just playing it. And like, the only thing I noticed was like, okay, a couple of things I noticed with this band. First of all, this is like, kind of like that. I guess it's punk. It's not really like punk that we see it. Like when I, 
so so when I hear oh this is punk rock, I think of like fucking misfits. I think of Gigi Allen. Like that's punk rock to me. You know, you know right. that, that crazy yeah. shit. But I know there's like different like genres of it. So I guess this would be like that 1980 like new wave punk. Is that what they call it? Yeah, um, I guess so. Um, you know, this will uh, th- this will be my old man coming out again. But yeah, like so things used to be different, and um, so I guess when, like punk rock first started getting big around this time into the mainstream, like the mainstream was first noticing it. That that's where the term new wave came from, because new wave was just a term that people used like in the record industry used to sell music because you had all these bands that sounded completely different. Like you had punk bands and reggae bands and power pop bands and all these bands. But if you, if you found something to call it, you could all sell it as one thing. Kind of like when grunge happened in the nineties, all these bands that weren't related were all of a sudden swept into this grunge movement and like, Oh, this is grunge. It's a new kind of music. They kind of did that with new wave. So when punk around this time, like punk, bands really sounded different and they were still influenced by these 70s rock and roll bands so they had guitar solos and stuff like that they were just faster which is kind of what i took out of this band shadow was like they were sort of like this punk rock goth band that had been playing a while but they still played guitar solos and things like these um 70s bands played um so i mean i I like the show i like shadow i thought they were pretty good i mean they're pretty good band um, you know, um, which, as far as I know, they're they're a real band that yeah. existed. Yeah, I'll play I'll play a little tracks while we're talking, so we can a little bit of shadow. Show, yeah, show the audience what they sound like. Probably play like the most popular song they have is that New Year's Eve song. Um, so when the band is playing, we have Blaze. She's freaking out to Ernie about the that phantom color, that evil color guy, and she says like, "Listen, I don't want no creep coming down here. I need you guys to get more cops around here." Uh, then we get more of the shadow playing. Uh, the thing I noticed the most about it was there's this guy had a pink zebra top on, and that freaking mosh pit was weak. Yeah, it was. It was weak. It was they, a very Hollywood mosh pit. They ain't no fucking cannibal course mosh pit, brother. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. No. <laughs> like I don't know if they're in a mosh, and they're just like falling on each other. All right. So now we see the. Uh, well, I, we can either call him the phantom or the evil guy. I'll just call him the evil guy for right now. We see no, the evil, evil. Yeah, the evil guy. He's going to the Crawford uh, Sanitarium um, Hospital. All right. We see some dude who works at the hospital who's throwing away trash. So pissed off. Like this guy was like fucking pissed off throwing away this trash. And then we see the evil guy. He sneaks his way into the to this hospital. Um, and then this is when we get all the hospital patients. Um, uh, yeah, we see all the hospital patients. They're all like in like pink. They're kind of like loony, loony guys. Like you know, they're all like, you know, mentally ill hospital patients at this place. <laughs> loony guys, yeah. Which is, yeah. So that's uh, the the yeah, they're, they're they're mentally ill. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The mentally ill patients. So we have the nurse. We have this blonde nurse who leaves the room. She starts smoking, and then she runs in to our evil character. And he, the guy introduces himself as Jeff. Um, he shows up, he starts talking to this girl, he starts sweet talking her like really quick. He's just saying like, hey, uh, sorry to, you know, jump into you like this. He's like, oh, I didn't know we we're getting any backup. He's like, yeah, the state called me down here. 
um, to, to, to take care of some of the patients during this time. Um, and then uh, he's like, he's like, yeah, um, I got on over here and she, she, <laughs> I like this line. She's like, she's like, oh, I noticed that you bring your own music. And he's like, I always come prepared. And then she's like, I bet you do. So they start flirting a little bit with each other. He's like, I also brought this bottle of champagne too. And she's like, oh, it's like, hey, do you have a, like a room that we can go to and just drink this little bit? And at first she's like, oh, I'm not really sure. It's like, come on, like this is the, the night to do it and this is the day to do it. And then she eventually agrees and they walk off. So, and this guy, like he actually looks like, um, you know, very well put together guy. Like he's, you know, has a nice hair, nice face. He's not an older guy. He's kind of like maybe like, you know, 35, maybe around this memory on this time but he looks like a yeah. like a hollywood actor like he looks like a like a, an attractive guy i guess you would say and something that i was getting out this movie which i i might tell later is like i think they were trying to make this character the evil character guy uh jeff have as we heard his name right here i think they were trying to make him like ted bundy like that i think that's how they got influenced by this character was through ted bundy oh yeah you're probably right. I didn't think about that, but you're probably right because yeah. he was very suave, very attractive guy, I guess. Yeah, and his his goal was to get a lot of women in this film to get to lure a lot of women, and his goal was to kill um, people around when the ball drops at different time zones. So, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> she says, "Oh, hey, uh, you brought your own music." He says, "I always come equipped." And she's like, I bet you do. I bet you do. Damn, okay. We're getting this we're getting this start off hot. So he brings out the champagne, they're getting on there. The next thing they're, they're in like this room, like this little uh, hidden room. And he brings out the champagne. They start playing some like R and B music. Gotta have that going on. And um they start drinking a little bit. He asks for the dance. She says she's says, like, I've only met you for like ten seconds. He's all like, listen, like, we'll just drink. We'll get back. We'll get back to the, uh, to the rooms, you know, but like, listen, this is the time. This is the place for it to happen. And we, we go back. So now we're back at the party now. So we have a couple of clip scenes and I think this is when we get uh, made in Japan. They're yep, playing. So we, so we have two bands that play on this new year's special. We have shadow. We have made in Japan. So made in Japan, they're not, they weren't really like Asian. They look like they're from Georgia, but I guess you know that's like the the gimmick to do. All right? That's their gimmick, yeah. And it is weird because when Made in Japan was on, everybody was acting like zombies. They were like just going slow and like moving around very very weird. So, so this is when we meet uh, Clayton. Clayton is the detective. And he got called in because Ernie called extra security. Clayton's there. He's also with Sergeant Green. And this is when we're going over. They're asking um, Blaze for some more details about this mysterious caller. And this is when Clayton, he goes on to saying, like, lady, this is freaking Los Angeles. We got all kinds of loony bins out here. Like, are you, are you surprised that you... Got all these loony tick, all these loony ticks calling you and stuff. Like, look at half the crowd. They look like they're loony bins and stuff. They look like they're like killers and shit around here. So basically what he's saying is he is not surprised that somebody is calling her up and being very threatening because he thinks all the punk rock people are nothing but, you know, bad rebel pieces of trash. So. Yep. 
Yep. Uh, let's see. And then Blaze goes on saying, like, listen, man, somebody threatened my life and stuff. You guys are not taking this serious. If you guys don't take this serious, I want somebody else over here. And then the, the Clayton's just saying, listen, just keep them on hold next time and try to sweet talk them a little bit so we can get a little bit more information about this creepy caller. But we'll stick around and see what we can do. Then eventually Ernie apologizes to the cop about D acting up. It's New Year's and she's trying to put on a good concert and stuff. And then he's all like, listen, we're going to catch up this phony freak. It's, it's, like, it's like, listen, I'm going to try to catch this killer. But any one of those people out there in the crowd could be this phony, crazy killer. So Yep, could be anybody. We yep. don't know. So let's see. Uh, so D or Blaze, she calls room 401, which is her room that Derek is in. Derek picks up the phone. Um, he, uh, 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 Blaze asks to see, hey, have you seen Yvonne anywhere? Derek says, I haven't seen her and I can't reach dad at all. And then eventually um, he asks if she can come up here and like talk to him and stuff. And she says, like, I can't come up there. Uh, I, I can't leave. Um, you know, I'll, I'll come and see you a little later after the show and stuff. And Derek's kind of accept. And then when he, when he hangs up the phone, he takes like these like three pink pills. So, and he didn't even like swallow all of them. And I'm not even sure mm. what kind of like pills are pink, I guess. I mean, he does some weird stuff later on, but I'm not really sure. Maybe it's like, I'm not really sure what these pink pills are supposed to represent. Yeah. I don't know if it's supposed to be medication or if it's uh, Pepto-Bismol or I don't know. They don't really tell us. Yeah. Um, so it could just be like, you know, a uh, quote unquote drug that he's doing, um, or it could be some kind of medication, but they don't really tell us. Yeah. So this is when we get back, we see the nurse and we see Jeff, they're kissing, they're getting it on. And she's like, I only know you for 10 minutes. He says, it doesn't matter. Tonight's the night. And she says, no, it doesn't matter. So they start kissing and making out and everything. It's almost midnight. Um, we get some more partying going on. And then our boy, Jeff, he, uh, Let's just say he goes for the uh, upper regions. He He's not playing around. He only met this girl for 10 seconds. He's looking to get his New Year's evil going on. So he's like making out with her. Um, and next thing we know, we hear on the radio. So like when they're making out and everything, um, Jeff, he, he he records on his little like boombox looking thing. Yeah. And we hear the ball dropping. And then once it gets to about, you know, one or two, he grabs his switchblades and he starts killing up our girl nurse. So yeah, so so it's the New York ball dropping, right? Yes, it's the New York one. Yeah, that ball. Yeah, because he's gonna kill. He's gonna kill a naughty girl, uh, as he puts it, um, at each in each of the time zones. So now he's got his first one in the New York City ball as it drops into New Year's. He kills the nurse. Yes, and then we get more of the shadow band playing. Yeah, and more then, shadow rocking out. Yep. And then we are back on the phone now. Blaze is on the phone, and our boy Evil has returned. He says, yes. yeah, I'm Evil. Do you remember me? And then, of course, Ash is like, she's kind of weird. She kind of freaked out during this time. And she's always, she's always like, okay, well, what about your, res you know, your resolution that you promised? He says, I did my first kill. If you check at the, the hospital, you will find the dead body. Tell the New York... I mean, tell the Los Angeles Police Department where her body is. And he gives the coordinates. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, he said, tell, you can find the, uh, you can find the, uh, the, the nurse's body at this, as, um, yeah. Uh, yes. 
at the uh yeah. institution or whatever yeah yeah find him there and then we see a scene of the other nurse she's looking for the nurse the nurse name is jane she's like jane jane where are you eventually she finds jane's like bloody shoe and then she opens the closet and then we see the bloody um jane nurse dead in the closet and then we we hear the crawford police they have arrived all right so now Derek, he has a switchblade too. So everybody in the '80s might just have a switchblade on them. Oh yeah, those like, switchblades are cool. Yeah, which is like a. It's also like I guess the punk rock, the punk rock weapon too is also a switchblade. I suppose so. So, so he has a switchblade. He's like cutting up like this stocking, like this like reddish looking stocking, and he's kind of like being upset too. He's kind of like, you know, crying while he's doing it and everything. And then he's going on saying, like, mother doesn't respect me because of something in my past might be affecting how she uh, sees me and my mental problems. Then he eventually puts on the red stocking, and then he puts a needle through his ear. He says, now what do you think? So I'm guessing that, well, we figure out later on why Derek has some problems. Kind of. Yeah. So we see Shadow's back now. But we are guessing as to what the hell's going on at this yeah. point. Yeah, at this point right now, we're just thinking, okay, maybe he's just trying to like fit in to like make make himself look like a little like punk rock or something. Mm. So, um, yeah. So now Shadow's playing in the background. Uh, Blaze, she is she's now dancing with them, and then Derek, uh, I guess, let's see. Uh, Derek is now seeing his mom dance on the TV screen. All right, and then while he's watching his mom dancing with Shadow, he rips up some roses. Um, so we get a, a scene of the crowds being all happy, and then D- Blaze is going on a break. <laughs> so we have Jeff; he's outside now, and he is fixing like he he when he, when he was talking to the nurse, he didn't have a beard on, but now he's like putting on like a fake beard now. So he's changing his disguise. He's also right. dressing up in like a suit. So, so basically, Clayton realized now that the story that Blaze was telling him about this like crazy killer that's calling him is real because he got word that this nurse really did die at this hospital. So at first, Clayton was thinking like, okay, this guy is just phony, just telling all this stuff to scare everybody. But now he realized like, oh shit, this is actually really happening. Um, and then, and then D at this time, uh, Blaze is like, oh shit, I know he got Yvonne. That's why I can't find her. And then this is like, there's no way he can like get in this hotel. I got men covering up this whole hotel. Mm -hmm. So we get, uh, we get this other '80s New Year's party with some '80s music going off, going on. Uh, And then our boy Jeff, he shows up, and like he's like a like he looks like somebody from like Miami Vice (laughs) in this freaking scene. He looked like he was part of like. Uh, Gran Turismo Miami Vice. He had like that freaking like big suit on, that big 70s suit on, his fucking beard. Right? Yeah. And he's going there, hanging out at the bar. Uh, people are like falling over on each other at this bar and stuff. And um, he sees two blondes over there and he eventually gives one of the blondes a drink. And the blonde mm-hmm. that he gives a drink, we find out her name is Sally. So we have Sally, we have Lisa. Sally is the friend that Jeff is trying to hit on and um, uh, uh, yeah, so he's talking to her and stuff. He's going on about their watches and how their watches are not working. 
That's kind of like his icebreaker line. He says, like, um, mm -hmm. you know, hey, like, there's, like, different time zones going with the different ball dropping and stuff. And then he goes on to saying, like, hey, I got to leave here pretty soon because I am actually, like, a businessman for celebrities. And they're running me out to this yeah. hotel. And then he's all like, then she's like, hey, no, he's like, hey, maybe you should come with me to this hotel and stuff. And then yep, eventually, he works out, for Eric Estrada. Yeah, Eric Estrada, yes, at the hotel. Um, and then he, Dude, <laughs> she, oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say Eric Estrada would have been really famous at the time. Yeah, because he was in Chips. Oh, I gotcha. He played Ponch in Chips, so he would have been really famous at the time. So that's somebody that people would have known. Yes, and then you know Jeff is basically saying like I'm his business manager. For Eric Estrada, and then they're about to go to the hotel, and he wants to invite him, um, her along, and she's like, oh, "Okay, well, I have to use the restroom first and she's kind of like, kind of agreeing and kind of not, and then this guy like bumps into her, and she's all, and she's like, "Well, at least if I go to this hell, I won't get crushed," and he's like, "Yes, I guarantee you won't get I crushed. Guarantee you won't." <laughs> so she's like, "Okay, let me go to the restroom." All right. And then we get more of the bands playing. It's either Shadow or Made in Japan are doing their thing. Um, let's see. So this is when we get the uh, Jeffy's waiting um, outside. And then this is when uh, Sally, she drives up. This is when Sally, she, she introduces her friend. Her friend's name is Lisa. And so I was like, hey, is it cool if my friend comes along and stuff? Like She said, like, you know I can't go out anywhere alone with a stranger. I gotta bring a friend along. And then Jeff's like, yes, the more the merrier. We will go now. Uh come over here and come into my Mercedes. And they're all happy that he has a Mercedes. Oh yeah, he's got plenty of money. Yes. And then um so Blaze is listening to the uh, message. So I think so that I don't know if we we told us we should have told us. But when uh, Blaze called up the second time and he was saying about his um he did his New Year's uh, resolution. He played the mm -hmm. recording of the ball dropping and him stabbing the nurse over the radio. The nurse, yeah, exactly, over yeah. the radio. So, and that's why he said, like, you know, my next vic victim is going to be in an hour, and I'm going to call back then and show my recordings. So, and then Clayton says, I think he's using a voice recorder, some sort of voice processor, because Clayton's just trying to see if Blaze can recognize his voice at all. And it's like, no, he's using some sort of voice machine. Boy, is he ever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Boy, is he ever. Yeah, and then, like, Clayton's going on saying, like, yeah, he's calling himself evil, but you know how much fucking evil is out there on the streets? It's going to be hard to find this guy. Yeah. And then the producer is asking, like, hey, Blaze, you're going to do this intro and stuff. And at first she looks a little shook up, but then she eventually needs to do it because she has to keep her face out there. So we have, um, I'm calling him Jeff because that's what he introduced himself at first. But Jeff could be the evil or the phantom guy. So we're going to call him Jeff right now. He's driving both blondes. And they talk about the ocean. Uh, Jeff looks annoyed because he's going to be late. Um, because they keep um, getting stuck into traffic. He's like, fuck, i got to be there by 10. And then Sally goes on like, hey, you just need some zen in your life. You need some TM. And then she goes on to all this like, meditation shit. And our and our yep. Jeff is just looking there, super annoyed. And then eventually, oh, go ahead. 
I was gonna say yeah, because at this point he just looks like he can't wait to kill this bitch. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. and he wants to do it on time too. Like he, he right, doesn't want to miss the ball he has, to, he has right. He has to do it at 10 p.m. because that's the ball drop in Chicago. Yeah. And then the, then Sally and all of them say eventually, like you know, I get you know we don't do this Zem. This is New Year's, so we just want to party on New Year's. That's why we agreed to come with you to go to this party. Uh, next thing you know, they kind of stop by like a gas station. Um, this is when like Lisa and she needs to do a pit stomp. Um, Jeff gives her like some money to buy the biggest champagne bottle that she can get. And when they're in the car, we have Sally and, and Jeff in the car. Lisa leaves off. And then Jeff goes on like, hey, do you want to smoke something? You know, I got some good stuff over here. And eventually Jeff chokes Sally out with a weed bag, a huge weed with the, bag. With, with the empty weed bag, yeah. No, no, so. there was weed in there. Oh, was there? I didn't see yeah. that part. So there's like, weed in the bag. Yeah, there's like a huge bag of weed that he had on him. <laughs> and he fucking chokes her out with it. I was like, man, okay. Um, so Lisa is getting some change from this clerk. And the clerk was going so slow. It's like, five, ten. <laughs> Here's some change. Happy New Year. <laughs> I thought I thought that was weird, too. Like, yeah. he was speaking so slow yeah. and counting so slow and I, i'm get, i guess that that was like giving her time for this to happen yeah i guess you know but they don't really explain that but yeah he's just talking <laughs> moving like he's in slow motion well, slow motion ridiculous. dude i'm gonna do that some customers here's happy a one new here's year. a two happy new year so and, lisa, and he's gonna count to like 100 or whatever yeah so lisa's she's outside now and she's looking around she, uh, she sees sally's shoe She's like, oh, that's not good. And then she runs by, she sees the dumpster. And then she sees another shoe by the dumpster. And then she eventually sees Sally's blue dress hanging out the dumpster. She opens up the dumpster. And then our Jeff is in there and he grabs her. And she ta- he takes her out. So after this, Jeff calls up. He calls up uh, Blaze's show again. I don't know how he keeps getting through all the time. He must have some sort of like special number. Or maybe like nobody else is calling except for him. So. That's what I wonder too. Like he was always like we're supposed to have this famous like hotline show on New Year's, but he was always able to get through directly to her yeah, every maybe, single time. Maybe he had some sort of like technique, but he paid, he called from a payphone, so I don't know how he got through all the time. Yeah, exactly. But you know, Blaze says something, and image he says, "Shut up, bitch." <laughs> <laughs> he said, "I've been out here taking out the trash." Uh, and then he gives the locations to the cops of where he killed his next victims near like this, like, um, kind of like near this, like this gas station. Uh, then he eventually hangs up and the police, um, the police are driving by him and he takes off his jumps. He takes off his outfit and then, um, and then he sees, um, so we have this cop and the cops like looking around this dumpster. He eventually finds uh, some blood and like a cat pops out. He's like, Oh, there's blood here. Oh, there's more blood. I might get some more. I might have to get some more backup. Um, <laughs> yeah, these were uh, the definitely uh, top detectives here. Yeah, exactly. They're like, oh, there's some blood here. Oh, look, there's more blood. Yeah, and then the, the cops down. The, the cops eventually walk down an alley, and they kind of get like behind something, like like a house or something. And then we eventually see the dead dolly on a swing. So she's dead with the with the weed backs over her face and she's mm-hmm. hung up on the swing and then the cop walks a little bit more because he sees some more blood and then we see Lisa she kind of like falls down the little slide so yeah then Clayton's we see Clayton next he says damn it that bastard got two more 
Caucasian white women. All right. And then this is when we get, um, <laughs> so we get Jeff. Okay, so Jeff, like, he was driving in his car, but this guy looked exactly like Jeffrey Dahmer when he was driving this car. Because he had, like, the same hair, and he had those, like, freaking, like, 80s huge sunglasses going on this time. Yeah, yeah. So it was pretty, that's, like, kind of like a, well, that was, like, a look in the 80s, but he looked like he was, up. you know, he looked like a freaking killer that we would see oh, nowadays. Yeah. And, like, we get, like, these fucking bikers pull up next to him. And, like, I don't know what it was about the traffic. I guess traffic in Los Angeles is like this. Like, they just flick off each other all the time. Because this biker <laughs> just, like, fucking goes up to him and starts flicking him off. And then Jeff's like, well, okay, whatever. And then, like, he's listening to the radio station so he can make sure not to miss, you know, any of the countdowns going on. And then he eventually, since he's paying so much to the radio station, he eventually just runs into one of the bikers. And he's like, oh, shit. And then he drives off, and all the whole biker gang starts following him. And they follow him to, like, this fucking drive-in movie. And did you catch, yeah. the, did you catch the movies that they were playing? Uh, no, I didn't. I was going to ask you if you saw what they were. Yes. It was, the first movie was Blood Feast. Oh, I did. I remember that. Yeah, Blood yeah. Feast. Yeah. The, and it was uh, just, like, the guy in the background yeah. was like, are you thirsty for blood? You've never seen so much blood in your life. This is the most terror you've ever seen. <laughs> this is like a long trailer because yeah so uh jeff he drove up into his driving and like he like parks his car to kind of hide from other bikers but the bikers just like stroll in you know what i mean like they don't buy no tickets or nothing they just freaking stroll yeah, in they just thing. drive through and then the, the ticket ladies like tickets tickets yeah, and they're just like driving by her on her bikes nobody likes to pay tickets in 1980 man we just fucking do it so we had this one guy he's trying to grab on this girl's tits all right he's like he's like he's like hey honey it's about that time and she's like maybe maybe tomorrow it's like damn got fucking bring it blocked off so we have more screens yeah we have more screens from blood feast we hear that in the background a lot and then um so so jeff he sees the bikers come in and he's trying to like hide and then he eventually knows we're getting a little closer so he leaves his car all right and then uh, like I said, the, the trailer is going on in the back, background too. I mean, there's actually two movies that was in the background. We have Blood Feast and we have Blood Bath. So a whole mm-hmm. lot of blood happening on New Year's Eve um, around this time in a drive-in theater. But I couldn't tell if they were like movies or just trailers. They sound like trailers. Yeah, so it kind of sounded like trailers, but like I thought they were here to see Blood Feast, but it is it is it is a trailer for Blood Feast in the movie. Yes, maybe they're seeing Blood Feast and they're about to see Blood Bath. Maybe. Maybe they're like a, they're the companion pieces to each other. <laughs> so um, we have like the, the biker guy finds Jeff. And this is the biker guy who has like the red biker um, bandana. And then um, Jeff is actually in like a priest uniform. And he's like, hey, I'm just a man of God. I'm not about a man of violence. And then he eventually just stabs the biker. So he kind of yeah. like throws the biker off, off course. And then Jeff runs to like the to the car that the uh, guy was trying to get on with that blonde girl in there. He eventually gets in the car, tells him to get the fuck out, and then he pulls up a switch knife on him. The guy runs away, and then he just drives off with the blonde in his car. Um, yeah. So he kidnaps the bl- the the blonde. Yeah. The teenager, the the girl. Yeah, yeah. He t- he takes her, and then eventually runs over some dude's bike. 
Yeah, so Jeffy's driving with the the blonde in his car, and he's showing her the switchblade. And then she's really freaked out. She's saying, hey, you know, do you need some money? Or like, hey, you know, I'll do anything you want. I'll even let you have me and stuff. And every time she says she's saying stuff like that, Jeff keeps showing her the switchblade. And then eventually, uh, Jeff almost runs over like these two drunk New Year's Eve party people. And he gets out of the car and starts threatening him with a knife. And that's when our, the blonde girl eventually runs away. And she runs into like some bleachers. So we have uh, Jeff eventually chases her. So we have like a little bit, a little bit of a chase scene. And then mm-hmm. he gets to the bleachers and he starts tapping his switchblade knife to kind of like scare her. And then he sees um, the drunks over there. They eventually get the police and tell him, hey, you went that way. So the police eventually get up near the bleachers. And before Jeff can capture the blonde, he runs away. And the cops are like, hey, you, we're come back. Oh, hey, little girl. Uh, what are you doing in there? <laughs> right. So we have. So he could have stopped the killer, but then they let him go. Yes. Um, so this is when we have, we have more cops arrive at the hotel. And mm-hmm. then this is when we have Clayton. He's on stage. He's like, listen, everybody. I'm Clayton so-and-so from the police department. They all boo him. They like boo him. This guy has more heat than MJ- MJF. Okay, with this crowd. Yeah. They're just booing everything he's saying. He's like, hey, uh, we're having this hotel on lockdown right now. If you guys leave the show, you will not be able to come back. Anybody trying to enter the show will not be able to, to be allowed in. This is a state... Why and this is like a like a mandatory thing I have to put on this place and they're all booing him out of yep. the building. Uh, and then <laughs> and then the place is like, thanks Clayton, way to wow my guest. He's <laughs> like, I gotta do what I gotta do. And she's like, well, why do we need to shut down the hotel? He's like, well, this was the idea of the doctor that we brought on here, Doctor uh, uh, Reed. And then this is when we get the whole breakdown of the psycholog- psychological part of this movie. Okay? This is when Reed just comes in here. He's like, it was my idea to shut down this room because there is a plot to this story. The plot is this guy. <laughs> you remember this guy? He was like, there's a plot. This, the plot yeah, is... Like an hour into the movie, we have a plot now. <laughs> yes. He's like, he's like the, the killer has a motive, and his motive is this. He's killing all these women because his end goal is going to be able to kill you because he wants to be like Son of Sam. He wants to be like the Zodiac Killer. By killing you, he will get the press that he needs to be an immortal killer. And this killer probably has some mommy issues too by the way he's killing up these breasts. Like this guy's just going <laughs> to this whole thing. I was like, this this kind of caught me off guard. I was like, what the fuck's going on? Okay, this guy where, just like, Where did this him. come from? Where did this come from? I was like, you know, this, it reminds me of like... like Okay, audience, if you're not getting what's happening right now, I'm going to explain it to you. Okay? <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. Right. Um, so, <laughs> during this whole time, too, Derek is, like, full-on, like, I don't know what he was wearing. He had, like, that stocking and the ear, and he had some weird sunglasses on. And he's just, like, listening to everything, and then eventually leaves. Yeah, he's still wearing the stocking uh, on his face. Yes. All right. So... So there's like this dude that's like trying to get in to the hotel, but the police stop him. And he's like, listen, man, I got tickets over here. I'm trying to get in. So he's trying to get himself in, but he can't. And then Yeah, nobody gets in. Yeah, nobody gets in. No matter what. No even matter if you're, what. Even if you're part of the band or whatever, you can't get in. 
So yep. Jeff, he sees this, so he goes another way. He goes through the back. So he sees like um, he sees like a cop, and then one cop goes inside and sees one cop by himself. And then uh, it says like, "Hey, officer, I think I found a drunk guy. Can you help me?" And the cop comes over there, and then eventually Jeff hits the cop with a brick, and he sneaks into the hotel. So, yeah, he, he Metal Gear Solid is the guy. He, yeah, uh, calls him over. <laughs> Damn, and we then knocks him out. <laughs> yep. Damn, we did do fucking got up in there quick. And then, um, then we get um, Blaze. She does a big intro for Made for Japan, and they're going to be playing their popular song called Banzai. Banzai. So we're rocking out to some Banzai. Like, were they even like from Japan? Like, what, what, what was the whole Japan gimmick here? I don't, I don't really get it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really get the whole gig Japan thing. Like, they because there's uh, another band called like Tokyo Blade or something, and they're all like from like Georgia or something. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, this band made in Japan. They don't seem to be made in Japan. I mean, yeah. And every time they play, just, they like, seem like guys, dudes. Yeah. And every time they play, like the the, the crowd goes into like zombies and shit. It's kind of weird. <laughs> so yeah. Well, they don't have the kind of. Um, they're not as upbeat as Shadow is. They're not yeah. as rocking as Shadow. Yeah, they're a little more tame than Shadow. Yeah. So they, yeah, they have their song "Dumb Blondes," which they perform, I think, before this. Oh yeah, the, yeah, the Dumb Blondes one. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Jeff now dressed up like a cop. Um, he's into the hotel. Um, he just sneaks. That's how his way to get into the hotel when he dressed up as a cop. He has a gun on him, and now that we see, he's on changing outfits now. Cause he's like in like mm-hmm. a little bit of a hallway that's like connected with an elevator. All right. So Dee needs to get her makeup refreshed and she needs some time alone. So she goes up and then when she needs to go up to her, her apartment, uh, the cop, the cop green needs to follow her because they said they found a police guy knocked out. Um, and then they, they have to make sure everybody's safe now because they found that, that, that cop that Jeff knocked out. All right. Yep. So they go up to Blaze's room, and the cop is searching for it. And eventually, he pulls a gun. He says, "Freeze, police!" And it's like, "Oh!" And then the guy in there in the room is Derek. And then the mom's like, "Oh shit! No, don't don't hurt him. That's my son, Derek. I forgot to tell you that he was here." I forgot about Derek. Yeah, I forgot about Derek. And then um, uh, and then he <laughs> he's just like so. The Derek starts to like says like, "You forgot your own." You know, son and everything. You always forget me and everything. He says, I have a surprise for you. Oh, I had a surprise for you. And then he just leaves. And, of course, Blaze is like, oh, fuck. I fucked this up. Yep. And then Blaze is like, hey, can you give me a couple minutes? I just got to get changed alone. And then this is when we see a dude in, like, a white jumpsuit with, like, some sort of, like, creepy mask with a switchblade in his hand. All right. And then he, and then he eventually scares uh blaze and then he takes off his mask and then blaze comes up to him he was like oh it's you richard so we have now established that our boy jeff evil Evil. is actually the husband this whole time he is the husband richard who's supposed to be doing cocaine off some strippers and palm springs Springs, but apparently not. and he's like oh i'm so sorry i scared you he said, like, she's like, well, when did you come here? Like, how did you get in here? I was like, well, I, I, I came here once I heard that there was a creepy person calling you up. <laughs> and she's like, well, did you even hear what he's been doing? He's like, no. He's like, well, he's, he's been killing people. 
all around here and stuff and call him my radio show every time he does. And he's like, okay, well, what I'm going to do first is I'm going to introduce myself to this cop that's outside to make sure he doesn't shoot me on sight. So he goes out there. He introduces himself as Richard. He's like, I'm the husband. He's like, how did you get even get in here? We had the place on lockdown. He's like, well, I had um, um, Blaze's manager, Ernie, let me in. And then the cop goes and verifies it. All right. And then this is when we get... Um, so... See, then Richard's like, hey, I was just, I was the surprise that Doug was supposed to tell you until you pissed him off. I drove up here from the Springs. Uh, so during this, like, okay, I know I upset. I know I, Blaze is like, knows that she upset Derek. So she wants um, Richard to go look for Derek while she will go back to her show and finish up the show so they all can hang out later after the show. Uh, so Richard leaves. The cop says, like, so, like, you know, how did you even get in up here? And this is when we get the whole, like, Ernie approved me coming up here. So this is when we also get Richard. He's now messing with the elevator. All right, so he's starting. He goes back down. He starts to mess and, and plot something with this elevator. Yes. This was kind of dubious to you uh, that this would actually work, but yes, but yeah, he's he's kind of hot wiring the elevator. Yes. So right now we get Clayton. He is on the phone and he's talking to Ernie. He's like, "We found this guy named Richard. Um, we we found his car because his car was left in his Mercedes was left at the drive-in, and it's been shown, it's been reported that he stabbed a biker, also too." Do you know who this Richard guy is? He's like, yeah, that's fucking Blaze's um, husband. And then he goes on like, well, he. we also found out that Richard also was a patient at that mental hospital as well. And then a cop oh. comes up and he says like, hey, I want to get some clarification that Richard was supposed to be led into this hotel by Ernie. And Ernie's like, the hell I would do that. I knew that guy was crazy this whole time. So now the police and everybody knows that richard has now been the killer so they go look for him so that's the big twist so like they tell us from the beginning who the killer is like we see evil from the beginning but then the big twist is that we find out that it's actually blaze's husband yes this is starting to sound like a soap opera a little bit yeah (laughs) well it's about to really sound like a soap opera here in a second oh that's true so Blaze is with the cop in the elevator because she's about to come down to finish out the rest of her show. But our boy, Richard, is starting to mess with the elevator now. And uh, before this happens, uh, uh, Blaze is asking the cop, are you married? He says, yes. Do you have kids? Yes, I have two twins. The other starts messing up. They start going back and forth, up and down and everything. And eventually they both get knocked out. So Richard pulls out green and then he wakes up um blaze and at the time blaze you know still thinks it's richard so he's saying like hey i know how strong you are i know how much you know the show must go on and everything um but guess what tonight the show will go on without you and this is when we get the whole reveal of how richard planned everything Mm -hmm. so he goes on to saying like listen it was me who called up the radio show? I am evil. She said, "She's like you." He says, "Yes, you're right. 
I'm evil. Uh, evil. Yeah, he's like, and then he's like, you remind me of every woman I've ever met. You know, unnat, you know, un, uh, like a, you know, bad, unevil, unnatural, like emotional wreck, uh, treating me like shit, not giving me what I deserve. Even your friend Yvonne, like even when she joined the picture, she was trying to conspire against me and just be un, um, unpleasant. Like so, basically, he's showing, he's saying like. The way that Blaze is, she's like too arrogant about herself and she's like all about herself and she's like the controller of the relationship. He felt like he was being taken advantage of of all these women. So obviously he has a lot of big, deep issues when it comes to women bossing him around and treating him like dirt. All right. Right. Ex- did you, exactly. Did you get all that during his spiel? Uh, yeah, I kind of took that. Like, I kind of took it as like he, she's like, um, like she's in control of everything and then he's like having mental issues because of it which goes on like she's kind of like um what i took out of it was like she's trying to be famous and she doesn't really want people to know that she's married and has a kid so she's kind of like you know put her whole family on the back burner and now he's like all freaking out and killing people because of it yeah and like he thinks like when women like you know want to get it on with him they're like immoral. Like, you know what I mean? They're not, they're not, they're not nice. They're like, they're evil. So evil, he, exactly. he also goes on to saying like, you're even doing the same thing that you did to me to our son. It says our son has all kinds of problems. Like he, did you even hear that he got that part on that show? And guess what? He didn't even use your nasty name of Sullivan to get that part. He got it all on his own. And after this, when we get you out of the scene, we're going to go to the, we're going to go to the bowl. Some football game bowl. Um, she's a <laughs> yeah. And then uh, he goes on saying like, um, "This has been a very bad year for me, but on midnight, my life is gonna change. It's gonna be a new day for my life, and I'm gonna take out my son to the Rose Bowl game." And then he's like, "And then you, we're just gonna have you let let you sleep in." Like, How oh you boy. sleep in? What's that? Euphemism yeah. for murder. Yeah, murder. He says, like, <laughs> he says, I can hear your heart beating. I don't like that. You get it? Mm. Okay. Yes, I get yeah. it. Yeah. So, so let's stop the heart. Yeah. Yes, yes. So the cops are now looking around. Uh, Richard ties up Blaze and he ties her up to the, um, to the elevator. And he's like, you're going to be going up and down. I love this part. <laughs> and then he locks her today up to the elevator. Um, it says, "Enjoy, enjoy your your going away party. I hope you get smashed." <laughs> yes. So the producer can't find Blaze, and then um, uh, uh, Richard's getting the elevator ready, and then she eventually does go up and down. It's like she's going up and down this elevator. Um, <laughs> and then eventually when she's going up and down, she sees the dead Yvonne. She is dead and stored into the shaft of the elevator. And then we get like these two, like, like, I guess punk kids. And they're in the elevator guess, with yeah. her too. And they're like freaking out about going up and down. And then eventually the, uh, the police, 
uh, Clayton, the eventually police, they, they run into um, Clayton. No, no. Clayton and the police eventually run into Richard. And they start having a shoot-off, and Richard escapes while the police were ch chasing him down. And then they eventually are able to shut down the um, elevator. Awesome. So they're on the rooftop. Oh, well, on the way to the rooftop, there's some uh, cops chasing Richard. And uh, Richard eventually um, escapes. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't miss anything. So Richard, he shoots one cop on his way to the rooftop. All right, so we have Clayton and some other cops um, chasing him up to the rooftop. So Richard's up to the rooftop all by himself. He knows he's kind of cornered, so he puts on that like creepy-looking mask. And then the cops tell him to freeze and to put the gun down. And he eventually puts the gun down. He opens up his switchblade, puts that down, and then he goes on to like this like speech. Did yep. you get? Did you get what his speech was saying? He's all like saying well, like he's going on to like this speech about like how like he's like pure and some like poetry speech that he that was talking about. Yeah, I mean it was just more of the same thing. Like you know, um, he, you know he's being held down and controlled, and he's really a good person. He's trying to kill all the or trying to uh, eliminate all the naughty people or whatever. Yeah, and he looked at the naughty women basically. Yeah, and he looks at uh, the floor, and the cops like, "Don't do it, you scum." And eventually, Richard just <laughs> jumps. Scum. Yeah. <laughs> don't do yeah, it, you don't scum. Don't do it, you scum. And then he does it. Richard jumps off. Yeah. It's a pretty crazy little scene, too, how they filmed it. Like, we, it looks like he actually really was falling and stuff. Yeah. And then he eventually falls to his death. Uh, we have a whole crowd of people around him. Staring at him, Derek eventually comes up, hugs his dad, takes the mask. Um, we have uh, Blaze. We got her off of the elevator. And we put her into a hospital um, car. And the crowd's really upset that Blaze is in his hospital crowd. We see Derek. He's, he has the mask in his hand. We get Blaze into the ambulance. Guy says go. And we find out that Derek has now put on his dad's mask. He has killed the driver. And we have taken Blaze off into unknown land. And we get New Year's Evil. We get New Year's Evil and from Hawaii. So we had to kill every hour because Derek has taken up his dad's trope of killing everybody once an hour. Yep, once an hour. So On to Hawaii. On, on the Hawaii time frame. So, and that is it, everybody. That is New Year's Evil. Any, Evil. any thoughts on this movie, Allison? This movie was cr kind of crazy. I mean, it was... Yeah. Very crazy. I mean, it was it was not at all what I expected. Although I don't know what I would have expected, but um, I mean, it wasn't bad. I mean, it's a good movie. It's just a little bit um, what's the word? It's like uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, there's not a lot of plot. Um, you know, there's just a lot of uh, you know, um, evil killing people. <laughs> so um, on, on every hour, what the what the movie remind me reminds me of. Is okay, so we, we, we want to do a plot surrounding New Year's Eve. Gotcha. Okay, we want to do a plot that somehow the the killer is going to be very close to a Ted Bundy like figure. Okay, gotcha. How gotcha. can we mix those together? Well, New Year's Evil, that's how we mix them together. <laughs> how can we have somebody call up a radio station and disguise their voice? Well, we'll just give them some uh, some funny dialogue to do it. So, 
yeah, but I thought it was pretty good. Like when I was first watching this movie, it was okay. I, I couldn't really tell if it was going to be like a corny, cheesy piece or not. Um, I thought it was pretty interesting. Well, because this, this movie also has a soundtrack to it as well. The New Year's Evil soundtrack, which of course only has songs from Shadow and Made in Japan. So right. kind of like how like the Black Roses was where they have like different bands on there on the soundtrack. This one also had a soundtrack too. Um, so I like that part where they kind of like mix like the music with the movie. So I thought that was pretty cool promotion going on there. Um, it, like like you were saying before, it does show a lot of the punk scene or like how how the media saw punk scene during this time. So I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. And um, the, the actor who actually played Richard was pretty good. I thought he did actually did a pretty good um, little role for himself over here. I thought he I thought he was really good. I thought he was probably like the best actor in this whole movie because just the way he was, he was pretty creepy. Has that um, has that crazy New Year's Eve killer? Yeah, I mean it's it's not bad. It's yeah. just um, it's just kind of kind of kind of nuts. Um, one thing that I just realized that I did not realize when I was watching it which might explain some things is this is a Canon film, uh, like pre- a post 1979 Canon film. Mm-hmm. So not, I don't know if you're familiar with Golan and Globus, Menachem, um, not Menachem Golan, Golan and um, Yoram Globus, but they were two Israeli cousins and they were kind of filmmakers. Like one of them made a movie called the apple in the seventies. Um, but they came, into Los Angeles, and they, they took over this the Canon Group, which was a, the film distributor, the people that made this movie. Um, and basically, um, there's a documentary about them that's really interesting. But basically, they would just come up with these crazy, tropey ideas for movies and then m- have somebody make it immediately. And, like, they would just see two things that they liked that didn't necessarily go together, and they would just put them together into a movie like um, – like ninja movies became popular, so they made ninja movies. And then, like when they made Ninja Three, they made a movie called Ninja Three: The Domination, which was like you know the 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 third obviously sequel to their ninja series. But they they liked the ninja concept, but they also wanted to, they also liked the Exorcist, so they made this movie that put together a ninja movie and the Exorcist together. Um, so they just made like they had all these crazy concepts. They um, they made then Masters of the Universe movie with Dolph Lundgren. Oh, fantastic um, movie! They made yeah, fantastic movie. They made Delta Force and they made all the they made Missing in Action. Um, so when they made Missing in Action, they had somebody they had them shoot like Missing in Action one and two at the same time. But Missing in Action two was much much better than Missing in Action one. So they released Missing in Action two first. And switch the titles. So Missing in Action 2 was the first movie. And then when they released the, what they shot as the first movie as, the, as Missing in Action 2, they um, they had it be a prequel. Interesting. Right. So, so, you know, so it takes place after the first movie. So they just sold it as a prequel to the first movie because the second movie was, was better. Yeah. But they're like stories mm-hmm. of like people that they would hire to direct a movie and they would be like, okay, this is what your movie's about. You shoot in eight days, and they wouldn't have like a script, a cast, nothing. Yeah. Wow. They would just be like, you've got to write a movie and hire a cast, and you're going to shoot a week from tomorrow. And you said this is one of those movies that did that? Yeah. So they this is yeah. one of the first movies they produced after they took over Canon Films. Canon Films actually was an Oscar-nominated 
uh, film company in the 70s. They made Runaway Train and they made a few movies that were nominated for Academy Awards. And then these guys took it over and turned it into this like crazy movie house that made all these like ridiculous films. Um, yeah, that makes sense because when I was looking at some of the history about this movie, apparently it was filmed in October uh, 1980. And I was like, that can't be right. I missed something like two months before it got released. Yeah. But basically so what you're telling me That was me typical is, of them, yeah. Yeah. I was like, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, so they would just turn out these movies just like overnight, essentially. Um, they were also going to make a Spider-Man movie originally. Oh, yeah? Um, nice. But that <laughs> never got made, but that would have been fucking crazy. Yeah. If they were... Uh, if they oh. were. I think they were trying to get James Cameron to direct it. Um, eventually, they went out of business, unfortunately. But they did make some um, pretty, pretty insane um, movies. There's a documentary out about them called Electric Boogaloo. That's um, that's really interesting that, that you should definitely watch. Um, like a like they made this movie called like when they made Enter the Ninja, the guy that they hired to be the ninja didn't really speak English. And he delivered all of his lines underneath a mask and you couldn't understand anything he was saying. So they had to reshoot it. And they happened to be at this film festival and uh, Franco Nero was there who mm. was in Django. He's an Italian actor who was in Django and a bunch of other movies. And they hired him on the spot to play the ninja. Oh, wow. Huh. Like, and, and like, you know, and he's like, you know, obviously not Asian. He doesn't know. He like, and, and Nero is interviewed in this movie and he's like, He's like, he's like, I don't even know what a ninja is. <laughs> and they hire him like on the spot to play uh -huh. this ninja unmasked. And he delivers all, and he overdubs all the guy's lines. Like it was like truly like, um, like, I mean, I really, I mean, some of these movies are terrible. Most of them are terrible, but it's, it's really inspiring to me that these two guys were just like, I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to make this movie. I'm going to make this movie that I want to make. Yeah. And everybody else can go to hell. And I think that's cool. I think that's really cool. Yeah, that's very cool. That's very fascinating. Because I mean, yeah, because that's kind of what we're doing. I mean, we're making the show, whether anybody listens to it or not. You know, this is our show, and we're we're doing whatever we want to do. We're doing it, man. They're in the the land of the retro blood. We try to make it yep. great and entertaining over here and educational as well. But um, everybody, that's been New Year's Evil. Hopefully, you'll join us the rest of this whole. New Year, because this is definitely going to be a great year for the Retro Blood. And so me and Allison were talking, and we're going to be theming out the rest of January. And the big theme that we have coming up for the rest of January, because we have four more shows to do in January, we are going to do hotels. So the hotel is going to be a theme for January, because, you know, it's January, people are traveling coming back from being traveling. They're staying in a bunch of different hotels, so we might as well um, see what some of these crazy hotels are all about. And of course, the first review we're going to be doing is Motel Hell. Motel Hell. Motel Hell, brother. It's going to be definitely a fun one. Come join us next week, where we'll be exploring all about Motel Hell and some crazy pig with a chainsaw. We're going to be seeing all that stuff, too. And, um... Do you have any final words before we head on out of here? Uh, no, just, you know, join us for the new year. This will be a new, new beginning for us. We got our better sound quality now, and we're going to be uh, going onwards and upwards, doing all kinds of crazy horror films, wrestling shows, 
heavy metal throughout the year. All about the '80s, all the time, brother. It's gonna, it's gonna okay, be a, all '80s, all the time. It's gonna be a great journey. Well, everybody, I guess we'll leave you with some Beatles. Uh, which which song did you want to do? Strawberry Fields Forever. Strawberry Fields Forever, buddy. This is the Beatles, so check it all out, and we'll check you next time with Motel Hell. See you later. Let me take you down, cause I'm going to Strawberry Strawberry fields forever Strawberry 